Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. And we are coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loan Studios. Rocket Mortgage with you every step of the way to provide a seamless mortgage experience. It's the Ken Carmen Show on CBS Sports Radio, 855-2124-CBS, 855-2124-227. Let me just get this out of the way. I love that Lane Kiffin's going to Ole Miss. Just a, a quick, I just I asked Drew Butler, we thank him for coming on the show. 40 minutes away, Matt Williamson going to join us, former NFL scout, Dynasty Blueprint, and Locked On NFL Podcast. We'll talk NFL with him. But I love that Drew, Drew Butler just came on and still had a shot at Lane Kiffin on the way out. Wish I'd get that job with that lousy resume. Love it! Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss, it's peanut butter and jelly. It's chocolate and vanilla. It just it goes together so well. Everything just mixes. Because anytime Ole Miss has been good, I, I, I fully expect there to be NCAA violations. And you could say that's reckless speculation, but come on, let's be serious. Anytime Ole Miss is good, there's something bad going down. So I fully expect him to have NCAA violations coming up in five years, at least. Wait, Tom, you want to make a bet on that? Sure. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's definitely going to go down. And and you know really what? It is so perfect. Though. Yeah, and I, and I, but I'm here for it. I'm here for it. I, 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 it's gotten to the point, like, if it's – there are things that have happened in NCAA football that you could use in a, as an example. I go, no, that's absolutely horrific. Don't – let's – come on. But when it comes to just regular old recruiting, some recruiting violations, I'm in, man. Count me in. $100 handshakes, greasiness with getting car loans. Oh, my God. If you could have divined anything for the college football season, your number one choice would have been Urban to USC. But I think you Mm -hmm. honestly could have gotten to Lane Kiffin to Ole Miss, like in your top next couple of choices. Mm, Best case scenario. If they're any good, if they're any good at all. Did you see how his schedule opens next year, too? Who they got? They play Baylor week one. Then they have whatever not mm. out of conference mm. Patsy week in the second game. And then the next three games after that are Bama, Auburn, uh, LSU in a row. <laughs> in a row. And then Florida is the sixth game. Oh, my God. Oh, oh my God. Where, where are those at? Where yeah, are I'll those? Pull it up right now. Hope, it doesn't second. matter if they're at home either. I guess right, it doesn't so matter there. Neutral site oh. in Houston oh. against Baylor, oh. Oh. Uh, which is not oh a great start. God. Then they're playing <laughs> Southeast Missouri. Then it's Auburn at home, LSU in Baton Rouge, <laughs> Alabama at home, Vanderbilt in Nashville, Florida at home. So at least they got some home games there. But seriously, Baylor, <laughs> Auburn, LSU, Bama, and Florida inside the first six games at Ole Miss for Lane. If, if, if I see that schedule, if you're listening down in Mississippi right now and you got any money whatsoever, you get on Realtor.com, you get the Rivals Top 25, and you get to work. Mom needs a house, Dad needs a car and a job, get it done. You need players. You, bo- you boys need to do some crudin'. Oh, my God. <laughs> 
have fun even trying to get back to the Egg Bowl. Wow. Whew. Work's cut out for you, Lane. Work's cut out for you, bud. Good for you. Good for Lane. I'm dead serious about that. I shouldn't just laugh at their misfortune. I'm already counting them as losses. <laughs> it's nine months away. I'm counting them all as losses. Uh, I, I, I think it makes sense. And I, I do. I get excited. $100 handshakes. Greasy car loans. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in. You go ahead and you go back and you watch all the stuff with Marcus Dupree, and even though that ended up not too great. But you go back and you watch Eric Dickerson and Grandma Violetta and the and the and the Golden Trans Am. Count me in. Wild West, baby. And you better open it up down if you're at Ole Miss. Whoa, with that beginning of that schedule, holy jeez. And you know the way he thinks this isn't like his final resting place. So it's not like he's going to be like playing it careful because he wants to be there a decade. Mm -hmm. Like he Mm -hmm. is going to smash and grab everything he can. Yep. Yep. He's going to leave them in their wake. You are going to have as many violations as possible, and he's going to leave you, and that's going to be the end of it. But hey, you know what? You'll be good. You'll be good. Eventually, not this year, but eventually you'll be good. At least you're supposed to be. And if you're willing to deal with NCAA violations, I, I've thought this way a million times. That's why, like like Arkansas, you're, you're going to have, I'm sure there's plenty of Arkansas fans who don't want to. Arkansas, you're going to have to do some greasy things too. You're going to have to find a way to get players and, and find a way to get, get them in. And it makes it a little bit easier now because they'll be able to profit off their likeness. But you got to, oh God, I wouldn't even know where to begin. Like your next guy, just feel yeah, he'll probably be axed too here in a couple of years. Like it, it just feels that your haves or have nots, and unless you're willing to pony up the money for certain guys, Texas A and M's not that bad. They were seven and five. That's how tough the SEC was this year. I think Texas A and M could be anybody in the Big Ten except for Ohio State. If you think I'm wrong, fine. I think that Texas A and M could beat most of the. I think they could beat everybody except Clemson in the ACC. If they were an ACC team, ten and one or ten and two, eleven and one. But they're in the SEC. You're seven and five. Oh, you don't think the A and Syracuse game would be close, Ken? Uh, I think they will. <laughs> Syracuse is. Wait a minute. Syracuse bowl eligible? No, I think they had a terrible year. Okay, I was about to say. I'm totally clown. I so okay, agree thank with God. you. I'm totally thank clowning God. the ACC. Oh, okay, you were talking ACC. Thank you. I was like, whoa, man, wait a minute. I thought I kept up with it all. Eight five five two one two four CBS. Uh, I want Lamar Jackson to be a lesson to Tua Tagovailoa. I'm so glad Drew Butler brought it up. Because you, if you look at it in one way, your agent should be saying, hey, it's working for Lamar. Because you're trying to get the best deal possible. You're trying to get drafted. And for Tua, you're you're trying to make sure that you're still up there. You know, he's bringing up the same thing with Jalen Hurts. I think that that makes total sense. If it works for him, then it should work for Jalen Hurts as well. Okay, it's a good sell job. I'll take that. Now, I don't know if, I don't think that Jalen Hurts, Jalen Hurts is great. I don't know if he has what, what Lamar has. But I'm sure I'll have to do this show in two years ago. I had to doubt Jalen Hurts, and now here we all are. Who knows? But I think for Tua, and even for a guy like Jalen Hurts, but for either one of those guys, but especially Tua, Tua, Lamar Jackson, and and Tom had brought this up during one of the breaks, and I almost forgot about this. I I defended Lamar Jackson before the draft. I thought, you know, he's, he's being tugged in a bunch of different directions. His mother's his agent. They're not even picking up the phone for teams. This is a very odd situation. I think they're very nervous. I don't think they want to be hoodwinked. So they're they're going to close ranks, and the people you trust are your family. I, I can understand mom trying to protect son. I, I do. There is a way I can see that. 
But what it did, it was it did rub some teams the wrong way and goes, man, this guy doesn't even want to run for us. This guy doesn't want to do these things for us. And he started to get a name that I, I just didn't agree with. People were starting to call the guy a prima donna. And I go, every time you hear the guy talk, it's about family, it's about God, it's about team. There's nothing there. But because of who came previously, where they do think that Robert Griffin III, and this narrative was out there, people do believe that Robert Griffin III is a bit two-faced, a bit fake. Because that was attributed to him. Well, then, no, he's got to fall in the draft. He won't even try to be a wide receiver the way that people want. There's been a lot of revisionist history about that, too. Yet Lamar ended up playing it perfect. Lamar had said this before the draft, and Tom brought this up. Lamar had said that it didn't matter about going to the highest team possible. He wanted to go to a good team, and people were upset. I think now you're seeing the difference. I'm watching the Bills with Josh Allen. Josh Allen can get out there like a wild stallion at times, and there's times where he runs like a baby deer, and there's times where he throws like a drunk man taking a leak in the snow. But he's also a guy that has a rocket arm and a huge, huge upside with a sky-high ceiling that you don't know what he can actually bring together yet because he's still a little bit young, he's still a little bit raw, and he's only in his second year. Good coaching has brought him along, and they've been able to put him in the right spots, advantageous spots, doing a good job, paying attention to their work and their assignments defensively to benefit him offensively. And the Bills have come out to a very nice start for this year and look like a real bona fide, good playoff caliber football team. And a lot of credit should be given to the coaching staff, the Pagulas and the ownership, the whole thing. They've remained patient. I was worried about Sean McDermott's future. I'm glad I don't have to worry about it this year. Very happy about that. They trade up. They're in a different spot. They trade up. Josh Allen's in a better situation. Lamar Jackson says what he says. Oh, we can't get this guy. We can't look at this guy as a serious candidate. The Baltimore Ravens trade in, and there was a lot of stormy weather last year. John Harbaugh was rumored that he was going to be fired halfway through the season, and then towards the end, they give him a four-year extension because he works well with Lamar. And Lamar was able to give them the type of love and life raft that they needed using his talent, and they're able to benefit him back. Doing a good job, taking his talents, accentuating them, and putting him in a better position. Coaching, we are seeing this this year. The return of the coach is here. Guys being put in an advantageous position, or at least we're seeing it now finally, guys who are being put in an advantageous position and are going out and winning a lot of football games. Not just, all right, it's all on your shoulder. You go out there and you make it work. Go out there and win. We got you the players. You go ahead and you win. Buffalo, great example of coaching. San Francisco, and I think as a person... Kyle Shanahan is a bore, and I don't want to be anywhere near him. But he's a great coach. And they're running the football. They're winning a ton of games. And the teams they're losing to are teams that are also possible Super Bowl teams. So they're not losing very many football games. And they're protecting Jimmy Garoppolo. And he's had a couple of four-touchdown big games. But they've been able to protect the ball and do what they need to. Because Jimmy Garoppolo is coming off a serious injury. And I don't know if you just want to put everything on Jimmy Garoppolo's shoulders, even though he's 28 years old, and make him have to wing the ball down the field constantly. You don't want to do that. Kyle Shanahan's making sure he doesn't have to. Buffalo, Baltimore, San Francisco. And then I look at Cleveland and the Jets, and I go, my God, this is just a disaster. That brought it up yesterday. I, I don't know if Lamar Jackson, I think Lamar Jackson's great, and he's talented and all that good stuff. I do. It's not being a hater. It's true. But I don't know if Lamar Jackson is MVP caliber with the Cleveland Browns. I worry that much about the coaching staff. 
Now, Lamar Jackson did what Baker Mayfield didn't during the offseason, which was dedicate himself to making himself so much better. Baker admits that, by the way. So don't be going, who you a hater? Baker admits that. So Lamar Jackson was willing to put the work in. I can't just put it all at Freddie Kitchen's feet. The same thing I can't put it all at Adam Gase's feet, even though I so desperately want to. Because Sam Darnold was very ill earlier this year. You missed something in your second season. But I watched the support system between both of those football teams, and both seem to be non-existent. Meanwhile, you have good coaching, good camaraderie, good culture that works in for Lamar Jackson. I think, why wouldn't Tua want something like that? Why wouldn't Jalen Hurts want something like that? And quite frankly, why wouldn't Justin Herbert or Joe Burrow or anybody want something like that? Like Today, I get very nervous for Joe Burrow and his future. Cincinnati has had a bad culture for a while. It seemed to get stagnant with the fan base, seemed to get stagnant with everybody else. They're the only place in the NFL that doesn't have an indoor practice facility. They're they're notoriously tight-fisted, tight-wadded up. I think ownership does want to win, but I just don't think they're willing to do everything that it takes to win. And a quarterback needs everything around him to make make things go well. I worry a little bit about Joe Burrow. Number one overall, to probably a dilapidated franchise right now that's going to put all their eggs in his basket. The Dolphins, they have a great coaching staff. You know I'm a big fan of Brian Flores. I don't even worry as much about the Dolphins as I do with the Buffalo Bill or with the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. I don't even worry about the Dolphins that much because I, I, I adore Brian Flores that much. I think that with a good, strong quarterback, young, they can make some good things happen. I worry about Washington and what they could do with maybe a new general manager because Dwayne Haskins hasn't been that bad, but with new people in there, maybe they decide to do with an Ari- what the Arizona Cardinals did last year. We got a new coach. We got a new system. Let's start all over fresh. Let's start all over new, and they can get in their own way. But I see Baltimore notoriously back of the draft, playoff caliber football team, trading in, getting guys in there. And then you look at some of the other moves. And this is why I hate tanking so much. The, Dolphin, the Dolphins look like they're tanking. Who knows what type of position they'll put Justin Herbert in. Or even Joe Burrow if that were the case. Got to mention them all. The Browns tanked for two years. Baker Mayfield let the offseason get to him this year. Now they're in a little bit of trouble. Freddie Kitchens, who knows what his future is. People doubt Baker Mayfield for the first time since before the draft. You see Kansas City trading up to go after Patrick Mahomes. Good situation. Good coaching, great results. Deshaun Watson, you can say what you want to about Bill Bill O'Brien, still coaches circles right now around Adam Gase and around Freddie Kitchens. They traded up for Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson has good players around him as well. They take care of him the best they can, and even that is still a little bit reckless at times. Deshaun Watson's able to make it happen. You know, People throw a lot at Carson Wentz and get upset with Carson Wentz. Has basically the same numbers as Deshaun Watson this year. Carson Wentz goes into a situation with a good coach like Doug Peterson. It has not gone that well this year, but he's been able to be taken care of, except that, yeah, he is susceptible to injury. But you have teams that are willing to trade up that have good organizations and cultures and strong leaders. And you have a prime example of about three or four teams that don't try to win over the last five years that don't try to win and don't have a culture. And they go out and they get some talented players. The problem is they're all 23 years old and they played in college. And when they lost games in college at some of the biggest programs in the country, they just went out there and they rolled everybody else. So it was a one-off and it didn't matter. In the NFL, 
you got to come and strap it on every single week because that team across from me is just as good. And the Browns are finding out just how much you have to work to actually be a competitive football team in this league. Baltimore, they already have the culture. It's no surprise. Baltimore's surprising that they're 12-2. and I'll grant you that. But it's no surprise that they're at the top of the heap. It's no surprise that the Pittsburgh Steelers, who have been there for 40 years, are still near the top of the heap and in the playoffs. It's no surprise that New England's still there. It shouldn't be a surprise that Kansas City's still there. And if I'm Tua Tagovailoa, if you're doing this the right way, if you're Jalen Hurts, you're doing this the right way, you should be thanking your lucky stars that if you're in that green room coming up in late April, early May next year, you be thanking your lucky stars. It might be taking a while for teams to get to you or if teams that are good are maybe trading up for you. Because we do this all the time in our lives. And I hate to bring this analogy up, but you know we do it. We see scenarios where people are born in impoverished situations with no chance, no chance for survival in, in real, sincere, good culture, no chance to be a productive member of society. We see that all the time. And then there are people who are given every single opportunity in life, and they flourish, whether they have the money or they don't. There are people who get those situations, they become a mess. There's people who rise up and overcome. There's always that anomaly. But it still goes without saying, you do the very best you can't job you can do to cultivate. It's the same in life as it is with quarterbacks. You will get that success. If my situation at home is a bad situation and I just kick you out of the place at the end of the at the end of the day, if I kick you out on the street at eight years old, probably going to be a rough life. If I just hand you the keys in year two, like they did in Cleveland, could end up being a rough career. If you're Tua, if you're Jalen, maybe the best thing, back end first round. Good teams, good coaches, good parents, good system. 855-212-4CBS. We'll try to get the five burning questions. We'll try to get to you. And Matt Williamson, NFL scout, Dynasty Blueprint, Locked On NFL podcast. Coming up, it's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. Send the tweets, send them hot, at Ken Carmen, C-A-R-M-A-N. We got Matt Williamson coming up in all just about 15 minutes. Fabulous stuff from him. It's going to be great. Also, we'll do what? When do you want to do five burning questions? We'll do five burning questions at 1.20 p.m. Eastern. I, I wanted to get to this a little bit earlier in the show, and then we just got taken. The Peloton thing, the whole conversation, it just took over. Of course Bill Belichick is cheating. Of course Bill Belichick is cheating, and that is why Urban Meyer needs to go to the NFL. I saw ESPN rank Urban Meyer 46. I couldn't believe what I saw. And the first thought, when I brought this up earlier this week, the first thought that my co-host had was, well, you know, Florida, Ohio State, it didn't end well. I go, well, if we're going to do this, Joe, depending on what you believe about Joe Paterno, he's still seventh. And on their blurbs that they write for everybody, no mention of any sort of NCAA wrongdoing when it comes to Urban Meyer. Nothing. On Joe Paterno, takes up two, takes up two sentences. He's seventh of all time. For Urban Meyer, there's a lot there where I can defend Urban Meyer, and there's a lot of things where I look at it and go, nah, you had that one coming to you. You didn't look good. Nobody wants to believe that bad people are around it, so there's a little bit where I don't want to understand, but I can see you maybe lying to yourself. I could see maybe your family lying to themselves. No one wants to say that they have bad people around them that would have made serious mistakes or have done bad things. And under a court of law, who knows if those things were actually proven? 
But one thing that we can prove is that we're Urban Meyer, and with some of the names that are there, I don't mean to besmirch Frank Beamer. I don't mean to tear down any one of the names that are ahead of him. But when you look at Urban Meyer, that's a top 10 altogether coach. And I see what Bill Belichick does, and this is the reason. The first thing that I bring up when I say Urban Meyer is 46th, well, you know, Florida, you know what happened at the end of Ohio State. Tom, you thought it yourself, didn't you? No, not really. You didn't think it. You didn't think of the. Uh, you didn't think of the uh, violations at all. Why it'd be forty sixth? I mean, I, I guess that's an assumption. I also think it's possible that because he doesn't work for ESPN anymore, I also he also got dinged there. But the whole well, thing because such... he doesn't work for ESPN anymore, he'd be forty sixth. The entire thing is such an embarrassment for them. I don't even know how to. I don't. I don't know how to put any logic on it. It's absurd. I mean, it's the it's. <laughs> Urban Meyer's the 46th. I counted on Twitter the other day. I got to 11 that are even acceptable. And like six <laughs> of them are not better coaches than Urban Meyer. Well, the first thing, I'll grant you this. You blew it out of the water. Thanks a lot. But, Sorry. Lima, the first thing you brought it, well, you know how Florida ended, you know how State ended. That's the first thing you're thinking about. What's the first thing you think about when it comes to Bill Belichick? It ain't going to be Spygate. I don't think it's going to be Deflategate. I don't think it's going to be this Eight minutes, and I know that the NFL came out and some people came out and said, ah, you didn't really see anything out of it. Ah, it's under the water. Whatever, next thing. Like, Judy Batista said that. Or wrote that. And so, I, I'm not trying to blow up a big thing that isn't a big thing, but time after time after time, you look at the Patriots, you say, yeah, well, that's just what the Patriots do. Well, that's just what they do in pro football. So I can look at it and say time after time after time, but that's just going to be thrown in there because you can't take away his championships. He has six Super Bowls, the greatest team, one of the greatest dynasties ever in professional sports history. Meanwhile, Urban Meyer has brought two national championships to Florida. He brought a national championship to Ohio State, and what looks like with Ryan Day has left them in an exceptional position. He's ranked 46th. I'm not here to beg Urban Meyer to go be the Dallas Cowboys' next head coach, but the writing's on the wall. You want any sort of parity with Nick Saban? You want any sort of parity when it comes to, to, to Bill Belichick? Anything like that. Go test your wares in the NFL, because no matter what, the cops got to take care of the big boys there. You don't have to necessarily do bed check during the offseason in, in the NFL. And you could go out there and be about football and about winning, and you don't have to bother any of the other things. And if you end up being a winner, the only thing that we will tell ourselves isn't about any sort of violation, isn't about any sort of rule breaking, isn't about any sort of quote unquote cheating. It's about what you want. When it's all said and done with, with Belichick, these things will be minor footnotes. They will not be the leader. The first thing that my co-host, not Tom, obviously, the first thing that my co-host thought of when I brought up Urban Meyer being ranked 46th, well, you remember Florida, you remember the way it ended at Ohio State. We'll be a mercenary where it's cold, calculated winning. You're listening to Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. 855-2124-CBS, 855-2124-227. At CBS Sports Radio's toll-free line. It's brought to you by GEICO. It's great news. You can save a ton of money. Switch to GEICO. Go to GEICO.com in 15 minutes. You can save 15% or more on car insurance. Let me get to my good buddy, Matt Williamson. Former NFL scout. Dynasty Blueprint. Locked on NFL podcast. This guy knows a bunch about football, so you better be listening up. Matt, how the hell are you today, bud? I am fantastic. Happy holidays. How you doing? Same to you, my friend. I'm doing pretty well myself. Did you see this happening with Lamar Jackson? Um, I'm going to say no. Frankly, I mean he's <laughs> the MVP, but I will say in that recruit in that that class of quarterbacks, he was my number one. So, 
anyone that's followed me this time, I had him as my favorite quarterback in that entire draft. So I'm going to pat myself on the back a little bit. Why did you have him the best one? Well, I think the and we saw some of this last year. He's a much better passer at Louisville than given credit for. I mean, and one thing I did this past offseason after his rookie year is I went back and watched every one of his throws as a rookie with the Ravens, and when he missed, he missed really bad. So I think when you watched him, you'd say, boy, this guy's not accurate. He's not that good a passer. But he didn't miss nearly as often as people think. And I have a couple sources, and I think he said this too, that more than some quarterbacks, he really had a problem adjusting to the NFL ball from the college ball and worked very hard this offseason with the, with the new ball. And he's throwing it like he did his final year at Louisville, and that's more than good enough. See, I always just kind of thought, I got to tell you, I always just kind of thought when you mentioned that, I was like, oh, it's throwing motion. I didn't hear anything about the ball, Matt. Yeah, I mean, I... Actually, Sage Rosenfels used to come on my podcast every Wednesday, and I guess Sage and Lamar worked out at some point, and he's the one that told me, he's like, Lamar really has a problem with the NFL ball. And as soon as I heard that, I'm like, I'm surprised more rookie quarterbacks don't. You know, I mean, it's a big adjustment. It's a different football. And, again, his rookie year passing wasn't nearly as, quote, terrible as everyone thought. I mean, if you go back and look at them all, the misses were bad, so you think you overreact to those, but they weren't as common as, as the most people, you know, a lot of people in the public thought. I want to go down that class real quick, except for Rosen. I don't want to put him in a bad spot. I have. Well, do you still have faith in Josh Rosen that he can be a competent quarterback in the NFL? I, I liked him a lot coming out of school. I feel for him because he's been in two situations where he's basically had zero chance to succeed. But I've also been told that early in his Dolphins career, once they were around him, saw him every day, they kind of knew he wasn't the answer. So I'm starting to re- I'm starting to think that he's probably a lifetime backup. But I'd love to see him get a Tannehill-like chance though somewhere else, and or sit behind Philip Rivers or something like that. So I still think there's a lot of talent there. I don't know that he's a a leader of men, and he hasn't shown anything, but boy, his supporting cast have been horrible. Matt Williamson joining us on the show. Should Jets fans be worried about Sam Darnold? Should Browns fans be worried about Baker Mayfield? I really like Darnold. I mean, a lot of these conversations, it, it takes a village to raise a quarterback. And I look at, like, Washington and the Giants and the Jets, and think, that's not a real good village, you know, and I'm not sure Cleveland's a good village. But of all those guys, I know you didn't ask me about Haskins or Jones, I would definitely take Darnold. I think Darnold has a little bit of Jameis Winston traits in terms of putting the football in harm's way, uh, aggressiveness that you probably will never coach out of him for better or worse. But I have a lot of faith in Darnold. All right, what about Baker? Less, because my thing about Baker compared to a lot of these guys is what's his trump card? You know, like, where's the huge arm or the big body or the, you know, accuracy, I would say, is his best trait. But when things go wrong, can he out-athlete someone and buy time? And I know this is kind of a 
old school scouts way of thinking. But and I know you know Russell Wilson's excelled and Drew Brees, but even those guys have trouble seeing at times. Being short is not an asset to being an NFL quarterback. And if you're Kyler Murray, you can move around and find throwing lanes easier. There's a lot of times when you watch Baker that he doesn't see things, that he doesn't see through the trees, and so he rolls out. But everyone knows he likes to roll right instead of left. And I still like him. I think he'll be a long-term starter. I just have more questions with Mayfield than Darnold. If I had to pick one of the two, I would definitely take Darnold. What about Josh Allen? I guess I've watched him a lot because I do a ton with the Steelers, so the Bills are coming to town this week. And he was my least favorite of the five coming out of school just because of the accuracy. I mean, it's all over the place. And I will give the young man credit. He's gotten he's further along right now than I would have guessed on his draft day. He runs very well. He has all the physical skills, obviously. And by all accounts, he works very hard, and people love him. You know, that he's the kind of teammate you want. And short and intermediate accuracy has certainly improved and looks like it's going to be good enough. But it's amazing to me that he's like the, the worst deep passer in the league. That's weird to me. It is. I, didn't, I, I knew that he wasn't that accurate on the deep balls. I didn't know he was the worst in the league, though, Matt. Yeah, it's really that bad. And I think there's a, a lot of people that think, well, you got a big arm, you should be an accurate deep passer. Well, it really doesn't matter. I mean, all these quarterbacks can throw the, can throw the ball 40 yards, 50 yards downfield. You know, his arm strength is great, but he throws it too much on the line. He doesn't allow his guys to run under it. And he misses very bad. I mean, uh, and the deep balls are a real problem. So if you go look at, like, John Brown's numbers versus Cole Beasley's for the last month, all of a sudden it's a lot more Beasley underneath than Brown downfield. So I mentioned, you know, it takes a village to raise a quarterback. I really like the Buffalo Village. I think that's a great coaching staff. They you know, are. Look what they did this offseason. They went out and got like 10 new starters on offense. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you on that one, Matt. Matt Williams is joining us on the show. Okay, current guys, what's been the change in Ryan Tannehill? This has been great. Contrary to popular belief, he wasn't that terrible with the Dolphins either. You know, that I was a fan of his two years ago, I guess it was, that he's an extreme athlete. He was a wide receiver not that long ago at A&M, so you knew it wasn't going to be an overnight transition. And his supporting cast in Miami really wasn't light years different than the one that we thought might not win any games this year. So, I mean, is he better now? Yes. He's being asked to do a little bit less because the supporting cast is very strong. But he's aggressive. He's big, strong, much better athlete than people realize. A very good deep passer. I think he's for real. I don't think this is a flash in the pan that will say, oh, remember that month or two that Tannehill was pretty good? And, and frankly, he's been one of the best quarterbacks in the league since taking over, not just pretty good. I think he's going to be a potential top-ten quarterback. Matt Williams joining us on the show. Wow, he's a, wait, he's a potential top-ten guy? I think so. I mean, Holy Toledo. It, I mean, pretty soon the Bradys and Breezes and Bens of the world aren't going to be with us anymore, and somebody's got to be top ten. <laughs> <laughs> That's one hell of a way to look at it. Uh, Joe, yeah, some of the top guys aren't going to be around much longer. <laughs> Joe Burrow's probably going to win the Heisman tonight. 
Should they be worried about being drafted number one by Cincinnati? That's a bad village, too. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Um, I have mixed feelings about the Bengals coach. I mean, I feel like he's probably got hired too early, but I do think that system, the Ram system, is a great one for a young quarterback. And if A.J. Green returns, that offense is starting to show some life already lately with Dalton behind center. Don't forget they drafted a very unrisky, not risky uh, offensive lineman in Jonah Williams. So I don't love the organization he's going to, but I do like the system, and I think the talent around him is better than we see right now. Matt Williamson joining us on the show, NFL scout, Dynasty Blueprint, Locked On NFL Podcast. Is there a quarterback that we're not talking about going to be coming out next year's draft that you uh, really think we should be? I honestly don't know. I mean, I'm not avoiding your question. I just don't dig into college really until playoff time. I just haven't watched the guys enough. <laughs> you know, you're, not, you're fine. I wasn't going to accuse you of that. My God, Matt. I mean, I could make something up, but I just haven't watched the guys enough to, to give you a strong opinion. Are we going to see more? Uh, ah, I hate asking this question like this because it, it makes me, oh, yeah, you, you just turn on a factory and then away you go and there will be a bunch of Lamar Jacksons. But you know, like we see a spread offense, we've seen run pass, we've seen run pass option become the prevalent offense to run in college football. Is there still a place for right now a guy who might be seventeen, eighteen, a more drop back guy, or is that kind of going to go the, a different way coming up here soon? Because you got to play guys earlier, and guys got to coaches have to hold on to jobs. I think there's another reason though is. I've been doing this a long time, and never in my lifetime has the talent discrepancy been greater in favor of defensive linemen over offensive linemen in the uh, at the NFL level. Like, I mean, who are the great offensive linemen in the league? I mean, they're not close to the top ten Aaron Donalds and Fletcher Coxes, and every team has three stud, amazing athlete defensive front players where 25 teams are starting three guy or you know starting a lineman or two on offense that shouldn't even maybe be in the league you know like it, it, the offensive linemen come in the league are so far from ready and the defensive linemen are just so athletic so i think if you are a true drop back heavy footed philip rivers type dude you're in trouble because the guys blocking for you are just at such a disadvantage that you need to be able to be an athlete to extend some plays on your own now more than ever. And that's why I think these systems have been so successful, too, because they're they're helping the offensive linemen who need all the help they can get. How impressive of a job has Mike Tomlin done this year? Really? I mean, absolutely. I mean, I, I've had some qualms with his coaching style in terms of clock management and some game day things, but I've been around him in this organization a ton, and they just are so... It's such roots, you know. I mean, it's just generation to generation of leaders in that locker room, and Tomlin is really good with the players, and they love him, and they play hard for him. And he's making the tough decisions, you know, like benching Rudolph and things like that and getting out of his comfort zone with some creative play calling. So I'm definitely biased, but he would be my coach of the year. I mean, it's amazing there in the playoff race. Yeah, they're doing a good job. Duck Hodges, you know, they're they're keeping it together. I got like 90 seconds, but I got to ask you, 
I, I see Carson Wentz's numbers. They're very similar to Deshaun Watson's. Why do everybody? Why does everybody love Deshaun and everybody seem to hate Carson Wentz? I know. It's, it's interesting because I'll take either one of them as my quarterback any day of the week going forward. Um, I don't know if the expectations are too high for Wentz. That supporting cast is awful this year. They're so slow on offense. And, yeah, he's trying to do too much, and he's not having a great year. But that's a tough spot to, to succeed right now. And Watson has some of that, those traits, too. But I think his cast has been a lot better. I mean, man, Wentz would kill for DeAndre Hopkins. He'd kill for Kenny Stills. Yeah, I, I just I see this. Why is it? Well, I, I, and I know I'm running out of time, Matt. Is it just because there's more fever for negativity? I guess maybe towards the entire situation in in Philadelphia. Plus, maybe people pay closer attention because Nick Foles hadn't been that good, obviously in Jacksonville. But that's that's the guy who won the Super Bowl. Is does that play maybe, into it at all? Maybe I, I think a lot of it probably or those fan bases are a little bit different and <laughs> just yeah. leave it at that you know and yeah. um the, the the underreported thing is i do think the eagles miss frank Wright quite a bit oh i think you're right about that yep. yeah he's a great matt, coach matt uh, thank you very much follow this guy on twitter matt williamson nfl he's one of the best matt thank you very much for the time buddy it was fun take care of yourself you too matt williamson and a former nfl scout current host locked on nfl podcast dynasty blueprint one of the very best very positive, uplifting guy when it comes to that. I still wonder about the whole Carson Wentz thing. And I'm not even the biggest Carson Wentz fan. But I look at the numbers and go, boy, those are really similar numbers. Why does he get ripped and other guys don't? Coming up in about 20 minutes, we'll try to get in five burning questions. Up next, Bill Belichick. Meet John Gotti. It's Ken Carbon on CBS Sports Radio. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.